Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. We're here doing the match preview. England versus the Republic of Ireland. The old enemy. We're joined by James Alcott. <laughs> and you may you may you may recognise his face from Ball Street. A uh, pretty huge fan channel across YouTube. And um, James has travelled to recent terms, the Euros, the World Cup, and so on. Pretty big England fan. So we said we'd get him on and have a discussion about the game. So, James, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I am... Uh, yeah, my name is James Alcott. I've got a, yeah, a YouTube channel um, which is called James Lawrence Alcott where we talk about all kinds of football. I'm, I'm a QPR fan. So, I know there's a lot of Irish QPR fans. Uh, so, uh, shout out to them. Um, but I, often I talk about kind of everything and anything, really, when it comes to the, the Premier League. I, I present for the Premier League as well at times. Um, and, and, yeah, so my a lot of the content I do is often... Um, trying to be trying to be unbiased but then when it comes to England that's where I lose my way a little bit um because when you're a QPR fan you can be a bit bit neutral about things but when it gets to England I'm sort of I'm half English half Scottish but my dad's my dad's English and the big driving force in terms of my sort of uh, love of football so uh yeah following England the last couple of tournaments with like you said Ball Street um we we've seen some amazing things including uh Euro 2016 which feels like a million years ago now with with how how it was like we jumped on we jumped on the Eurostar and went to Paris like a few times to go to different games whenever we got tickets because it was all so easy um and and I went to I went for a, a week right at the start of the tournament and uh and and had an amazing day uh, in Paris after I think I'm pretty sure it was England Sweden I think it was with one all um is that the first game of the Euro 2016 for you guys yeah yeah, it was yeah. our first game. Yeah, so. yeah. So uh, we were in the fan park, and then I had a good friend of mine who was with us who went to the game and said it was amazing. And then it's, we sort of caught wind of where where everyone was going to be after that. And coming from England, Marseille, where we're getting tear gassed, to uh, that trip was sandwiched in between being in Ireland on a street in in Paris with thousands and thousands of Irish fans, and not a single member of police there because the trust for the Irish fans was so high and rightly so like it was it was amazing and it, it was quite illuminating really in terms of how England fans are sometimes either perceived or you know I guess the the sort of um the rap sheet that they've got on them a little bit but also just the the amazing way the Irish people the Irish fans were on that on that trip and how they support their team because it was that, like I say, that trip was sandwiched between two two trips to watch England games that were littered with tear gas and running away from coppers, and um, <laughs> for no reason. And and then the Ireland game, you've got literally, honestly, I think it was about it felt like about ten thousand Irish fans on a street in four in the morning, drinking. It was amazing. It was amazing. Sounds like a regular night. And you have a video <laughs> of that on your channel, don't you? So that's so the the Ireland one that's on yeah some of the old school Ball Street stuff literally just you know me and my phone out there um, there's definitely one so yeah have search Ball Street uh, Ireland Sweden one one something like that and uh, you'll get to see all the madness of that a lot of um, Gary Breen songs um, <laughs> no surprise there he always seems to get a mention but, um, <laughs> so should yeah well this is a team of Gary Breens. That's it. That's it. That's I've heard song. that was, of course, the song. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It's so good, so good. <laughs> well, uh, we said you get we get you on, and we'll kind of get um, a perspective from your point of view. You said you're biased there, which is totally fine because we're totally biased to Ireland as well. So it should make for an interesting debate. But I suppose Gary, just to kind of kick it off, do you want to talk us through the history of the games? Um, you probably don't have to go back as far back as 1946, but maybe most recent times. 
Um, although we haven't played each other since I think 2013 now. Yeah, so, so, so I'll just do a brief because originally when the uh, brief synopsis, when they, originally when the FEI broke away from the IFA, uh, the, the home nations actually all refused to play us. So for, we And England were actually the first of the home nations to play us in 1946. They came to Dublin two days after playing uh, what's now Northern Ireland in Belfast. And it was a 1-0 win for England. And the return match in Goodison Park in 1949 uh, is written into Irish folklore because uh, well, once, one, it was in well, in Everton, uh, which you know well, Paul. But it was, virt- it was almost a home game for us with so many Irish over there. Uh, a couple of hundred Irish fans travelled over and we beat England 2-0. We were the first foreign team to actually beat England on English soil. And it's often... Uh, this reported as being the great Hungarian side of 1953, um, partly because they probably did, maybe don't consider us foreign, but we were the first non-British team to, to win on English soil. Um, fast forward a little bit to one of the most disappointing moments in Irish football. And I know from talking to my dad, because he was at the game, and it's well uh, documented, we were in a group with England and Denmark, and... We actually lost in, in qualifying for the 58 World Cup. We lost at Wembley. Uh, goal difference didn't matter in those days. They came to Dublin and a win would have given us at least a playoff for this World Cup in Sweden. And we were winning 1-0 in the 90th minute. And uh, a guy called John Atio play, fra, uh, played very little and... Uh, for England, he headed an equaliser and they said the silence could be heard back in O'Connell Street. And a devastating blow. My dad, everyone, they were absolutely devastated. I thought we had a real chance of going to the World Cup. A uh, couple of friendlies drawn together. The first time I saw England play, well, actually, I saw them in the John Giles testimonial, but it didn't count as a full international. Uh, 1978, we were drawn together for the, the European Championships. And uh, a one-all draw in Dublin. Uh, great game, full house, great atmosphere. I was only a kid, but really enjoyed it. Um, fast forward again. First time we ever reach a major finals. Today is actually the anniversary of Gary McCoy's goal in Sofia um, in 1987. That qualified us for Euro 88. And I think, without question, sorry about this, James, but the greatest day in Irish history, I did not leave out the word football or even sport. June 12th, 1988 in Stuttgart, 1-0 Ray Houghton. Um, first day in a major finals, really, really special. I was behind the goal that day and uh, it lived with me forever. Um, fantastic day. Um, we drew each other again in the 1990 World Cup. First, our first ever game in a World Cup. Uh, again, uh, Cagliari out in Sardinia. Uh, it was actually a dreadful game. It's gone down as... Yeah. We, we've been involved in some of the worst games in World Cup history, if you're a neutral. But uh, I, I don't think too many Irish fans were there that day will consider it to be have been too bad, even if some of us got really wet. But um, it was a one-all draw, and Kevin Sheedy's equaliser probably saved the day. Uh, England went on to win the group and, and reach the semi-finals and losing on penalties to the Germans in Turin. And uh, we went to the quarter-finals, our, our best ever World Cup, losing to Italy. Uh, we were drawn together again in the qualifying for Euro 92. And 
it's probably definitely one that got away from our perspective. Two one-all draws, one in Dublin, a late goal from Tony Cascarino, uh, one in Wembley, uh, Niall Quinn, and uh, but really one we should have won, one we left behind us and uh, ended up just missing out. England went to Sweden ahead of us, just like in 1958. Um, so... We'll just gloss over the friendly in Dublin in 1995 that <laughs> yeah, never I was finished. Waiting, I was waiting for that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you've got to, it's, the game's got to be completed for you to talk about it, I think. Yeah, and uh, a couple of friendlies recently, 2013 in Wembley and 20, uh, which uh, uh, another famous Irish 1-1 victory, uh, Shane Long. Victory. And uh, 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 <laughs> we win a lot of games 1-1. Um <laughs> And in 2015, we drew nil all in Dublin, a pretty awful game. So another little bit of history, which I hope we don't lose on uh, tomorrow night. Uh, England haven't actually beaten us in any type of a game since 1985. I did gloss over the friendly in 85 as well. And uh, and indeed, the, the, the win in Wembley in 1980 in, in the qualifying. But um, England beat us in a friendly 2-1 in 1980. I think it was Gary Lineker's first goal for England, actually. Um, in 1985, it's the last time we've tasted defeat, and the only UEFA nation, I don't even know if James knows this, the only UEFA nation with a longer unbeaten record against England, uh, oh, it's actually yeah. it's actually Romania, and it goes back to the yeah. 1970 World Cup is the last time England beat Romania. Good start, and, I like that. Yeah. And actually, England were due to meet Romania in a warm-up game for Euro 2020. So potentially we would have ended up with that record, and uh, well, hopefully we can keep the unbeaten record going tomorrow. Mm, I'm sure, yeah. History lesson, Gary. <laughs> Very good, yeah. That's, you've got. I, I do feel like we've dodged each other for a long, long time. Like I think there's. I don't know if other people have this, but you you seem to get stuck with sort of certain countries a lot. And I always think when I think Ireland, I think Wales. I think Ireland seems yeah. to get Wales a lot. We yeah. seem to get. We used to get Poland all the time. Um, and then I felt like we got Ukraine quite a lot. <laughs> there are those weird little patterns, but we've never really we've never really crossed paths that much in the recent history in terms of qualifiers, have we? Yeah, we we tend to get Denmark like that's all it. Around. Yeah, yeah. Wales and Denmark, yeah. and uh, mm. we hate them and they hate us at this yeah. point. We're just sick of coming up against each other. One somebody new, of course. But uh, since we got such a, a history lesson there, just change. Why? What's your kind of thoughts coming into this game? Because you know, it's always much more to us than probably it is to use because there's obviously all the history there between the countries and stuff like that. Um, and that kind of takes into a lot of p- people refer to Ireland as the England B team or have done in previous times. Um, but to you, is it is it a, as big of a deal? I think it, look, it, it, in terms of derby games, it, it, it's in international um, competition, this is... This is obviously up there for sure. Like I say, I think you sometimes you need need games to create history or recent games to create history. There's no real reason for Liverpool and Chelsea to not like each other or Man City and Liverpool to not like like each other geographically at this moment in time. But you know, when games happen, things happen, and uh, and we all get a bit salty when it, you know when it's competitive. So um, I think it, I think it is a big game. I think also I think England fans for me. <sighs> I feel like there's two kind of England fans. There's England fans that support Premier League teams and then there's England fans that don't. And I think often the England fans that don't support um, Premier League teams, they, they really they get so excited by international football because um, it feels more glamorous and a bit of a step up and it feels bigger. 
Whereas uh, often fans of those huge Premier League teams, it feels like a, a bit of an afterthought and it's something that's getting in the way. So I think if you ask two different England fans, you get two different um, ideas on it. You know, for me, this is look, this is a bit of a local derby, isn't it? You know, you're you're, you're across, you know, you're across the across the pond there. So uh, and and a lot of players who play in the Premier League, a lot of players that we know. Um, as England fans. So I think it is a big game. I think it is a big game. And I think, I think for the problem England have and Gareth Southgate has at the moment is we're, we're, we're sort of safe in terms of we're going to this major tournament, but we're, you're far enough to, to allow kind of this sort of negativity or kind of because of that distance to kind of creep in. So this game for us is a massive uh, stumbling block because you'll have a lot of players who will, in this Ireland team who want to prove a point, I'm sure, um, playing in the same league. And um, and if England aren't at it, then they'll, you know, they, you know that unbeaten record will continue and there'll be a lot of, lot of bad press because I think the easy press to go with at the moment or always is is the negative side of it. And that's a little bit that's kind of creeping into the to what I'm seeing at the moment when it comes to the likes of Gareth Southgate. So it's a, it's a tough one for, for England because, you know, if you win the game, if you win the game, I think generally, you know, we're fourth in the league, 36th, I think you said, uh, Ireland are. We're expected to win the game. And if we don't play, you know, liquid football and destroy you, then we'll get, we'll get chastised for it a little bit. So, um, and, but you know, you look at the players in your team, just looking at it now from some of the last few games, some, you know, seasoned Premier League players. So it's not going to be an easy game at all. Yeah, some seasons, a lot of championship players there too, but uh, and a lot of players are actually not playing for us. But we will get to that. But um, no, just, no, not playing for their club. Um, but just kind of on England, is there anyone kind of because it's a friendly game? Do you think Gareth will experiment? Is there anybody there you you're excited that maybe get will get a run against us? Well, I think the obvious one is, and I, I did a video on it yesterday. Once it kind of dropped, was Jude Bellingham coming in. Um, I actually was uh, this morning. I was kind of working on a on an England 23 um, for, for my channel. And it's, do you know what, everyone's got an opinion, but I'll tell you what, it's really difficult to get a 23 that's got the versatility that you want to, to have when it comes to England. And when I was putting it together, the sort of, the, the area where we're weak is sort of centre-back positions. And then this sort of midfield area that, you know, you're not a defensive midfielder, you're, you're not a, a, you know, a Jack Grealish or a Foden. And you're this guy in the middle. And that's that's where we're kind of missing someone a little bit at the moment. And Jude Bellingham, I think people are really excited about his progression. Um, and, you know, these major tournaments often, especially with England, there are youngsters that kind of sneak into the squad and then become, you know, just so fearless and exciting in those tournaments. And that's what I kind of said in the in the video, that he he fits that bill, Jude Bellingham. A lot of people won't have seen him because they've only seen him in because he's only been playing championship in a few games in and. Uh, the Bundesliga, but I think Jude Bellingham is definitely the one to to keep an eye out because I think it would be far too soon for him to play in the Nations League games. But a game like this would be a really great game to to blood him um, to to play him in this one. And he's a sort of he's a he's a mix between a kind of ball winning midfielder and a box to box midfielder. Um, I think as time goes on, he might become an attacking midfielder. But actually, I think his strengths are his kind of anticipation and then his his dribbling in that central midfield area. So I I would love Southgate to to give him an opportunity. A few people are saying, why isn't Madison picked or Barkley picked? I think the reason for that, um, when Ward Prowse got injured, Ward Prowse is the one who made way for Bellingham when he got a hamstring injury. Uh, 
I think the reason he's gone with Bellingham is, is I think he's excited about his progression, which Southgate's always done in terms of bringing younger players in. Um, but I also think he fits a gap in terms of what we need in our midfield. Um, or, or, and the, so I think there's a real opportunity for, for him to play. So I'd, I'd love to see him play personally. Okay. Well, see, we, we, Gary, I wouldn't say that we have anyone that we're kind of looking to play because a lot of our players that I mentioned there just, just before you spoke about England, James, um, you know, Darren Randolph, he's playing second best to Fabianski at mm. West Ham. He's not playing. Uh, Connor Herrhan now um, at Villa since Barclays came in. Herrhan's gone out of the team. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that's going on like that. Robbie Brady's not getting in. At yeah. So there's a lot of our players are actually not playing. So a lot of them are actually going to be counting on this international period to probably get minutes to come back into the team um, at, at club level. Gary, what are your kind of thoughts going into this? Are you worried that you know a lot of our players end up to match sharpness? Yeah, and I agree with that, Paul. And I, I don't think uh, James is talking about. I think England experimenting, and I expect Gareth Southgate to experiment. And he definitely will have an eye not just to the Nations League, but to the finals, the Euros next year. Um, I, I think Stephen Kenny's going to play his strongest team tomorrow night. Um, as you say, players like Robbie Brady, uh, Conor Horan, they, they need minutes and legs and. Uh, so I suppose we're using these games uh, maybe a little bit to experiment, but I don't think England away at Wembley is a place to experiment because uh, I suppose we've already touched on it, but it's it's probably a different game for us than it is for England. Because um, for me, England are our biggest rivals. And with all due respects, I'm sure James would either name check Scotland or Germany or Argentina, and we wouldn't even probably come into the top five, six, seven, eight when it comes to England's rivals. Um, so I don't I don't see Stephen experimenting, uh, throwing in any any younger players. It'll probably be as strong a team as we can put out with a view to giving players minutes in legs for the Wales and Bulgaria games, uh, as well as getting the best team at Wembley because uh, we want the best result possible. Yeah, well, I think as well as that, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking at it. We've only scored one goal under Stephen Kenny. We haven't won under Stephen Kenny yet as well. So I think this is a massive, you know, game. If if Stephen Kenny could get a win, which I don't actually think we will win, I think a draw is the best we will get. Um, and that's me being as optimistic as possible. I just think England have a lot of strength and depth, and that's the only reason why. But um, I'm kind of looking at it, and I feel as though, if we if we can get a result or a draw or take the lead for for a long period of time again, I haven't seen us taking the lead. We've only scored against Bulgaria in a one-all draw, Shane Duffy's header, and that was in like the last minute of the game. Um, you know, I look around our squads and it doesn't exactly fill me with confidence. So, Paul, is is this game bigger than uh, the Nations League game for you? Because that's three days after, so it's quite quite a tight turnaround. Especially if I think if you're playing the other side of the coin is if you're playing games, you're fit, and so you recover. You probably recover a little bit better for that for that second one. So that's that's the only thing. I, I was slightly surprised that you might not make some changes in terms of your key key guys. Um, or is it just a case of maybe when I'm looking at the the group here, you got two points. Finland have got nine. Wales have got ten. So it, have you kind of like let that go? The Nations League does this become a bigger game? Um, I think for pride it is, but like as Gary is probably going to touch on it now in a minute anyway about the kind of the seeding for the World Cup. It, you know, 
unless we get a positive result, that's going to affect it because I think Slovakia or Northern Ireland, if, if one of them win their playoff, they they leapfrog us. Is that right, Gary? The seeding? Yeah. So I'll I'll come on. I, I'll probably talk about it just briefly, I suppose, to explain the the difference. We can really only avoid relegation or get relegated now in the Nations League. So it's probably the Bulgaria game at home is crucial because if we win that, we avoid relegation. So I suppose if you were to say to people, uh, to Irish fans, you can get one result, one draw, either Wembley or Cardiff. I think nearly everybody would say Wembley and gladly take a defeat in Cardiff. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's you know, football's about what you care about. So if you care about that, then then absolutely. I think that, yeah. I think it's what will be interesting, I guess, for you to tell me maybe is when it comes to England, I think a lot of teams, obviously, Wales came and played England and, and kept the ball really well, actually, for the first half. Um, and from some of the people that I've spoken to about um, about this, Irish team and Stephen Kenny, the, is, there a, is there a bit of a move away from, you know, the, the, the Mick McCarthy style? You're trying to get it, trying to kind of get the ball down a little bit more and, and, and control the game a little bit more. Is it kind of, are there some sort of growth pains in that? Yeah, uh, well, see, the thing at the moment is we're, we're in a kind of transitional period. It's kind of similar to when Giggs took over at Wales and Gary always goes, goes back to, to that point and refers to it. Um, at the moment, Stephen Kenny's coming in and he's trying to change the style of play. It's more keep the ball approach and uh, keep, you know, put it against teams, keep, keep dominate possession against mm. bigger nations. And he's big on that. And he's only came in since March. Uh, Mick McCarthy was supposed to take over for the playoff. Um, or sorry, stay on, but uh, COVID happened. So then Stephen Kenny was naturally supposed to take over from him. So COVID happened, uh, the playoff got postponed, and then Stephen Kenny was just because Mick's contract is basically a sport. Stephen Kenny came in as coach, which is a bit ahead of time. So he's kind of been. He was more kind of pushed for the for the World Cup. Would have been more his. Um, time to shine more so but he's been brought in a bit, bit early he's lost the playoff so straight mm. away he's been under pressure because he's lost the playoff on penalties we were the better team but yeah. we just can't score goals it's it's not that we we play really nice football now but we just cannot score for the life of us we we don't do not have a goal score we've never replaced Robbie Keane um it's so hard to do that it's like you look at Robbie Keane's international record 68 it's, goals it's, it's insane it's so good so, yeah to try and replicate that or get someone who's going to score goals, we're looking at like Aaron Connolly, uh, Brighton, um, Adam Eda, uh, Norwich, who isn't really getting in at Norwich as well because he's got Pookie there ahead of him. So we're in a transitional period at the moment and, and you know uh, fans are getting very impatient with the manager. Some fans, uh, myself and Gary would be more patient, kind of, we can see the bigger picture. Like there is signs yeah. that we are, we are getting better and there's players who've stepped up to the mark and, and like knock on hiding. Jason Malumbi, again, another Brighton player, has been fantastic. Um, you may have seen him in the championship last year with Millwall. Yeah. Really highly rated. Um, but he, Stephen Kenny really, really likes him. He's brought through a couple of players like him, Darrow O'Shea at West Brom as well. So there's a couple of good young players coming through the team there. But ultimately, it's about scoring the goals. And you said there, you know, would you like to see us win the Nations? I'd like to see us win all the games, you know what I mean? Sure. But realistically speaking, I think a draw is, is realistic against England. Um, a, a win would be a, a really a, a push, and uh, a loss is, is probably more likely. But I'm hoping not, obviously. Um, Wales game, it fails out. I don't see why we can't get a result. I mean, I don't think they were that good in the Aviva. I thought we we played better than them. I thought we probably had 
the better of the chances. Probably could have beaten. It was a bit of a poor game. Mm. And Bulgaria, I think we should beat. So um, it's just a matter of get, kind of getting a couple of goals, and I think then the manager will get a bit of breathing space. That's all that is. Yeah, I think it's it's tough. Like the the great Irish sides, you know, they had some amazing players in them, and so when you lose. Even even 2002, you had so many amazing players in that team, and then a couple of world class players. Robbie Keane, like Robbie Keane, was you know he was is at that level. Duffy was a joke in that tournament, an absolute joke in that tournament, and uh, and then some really quality players who, like you say, playing Premier League games week in week out, captains of their of their clubs as well. You know, I think Kenny Cunningham was still there, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. uh, Matt yeah. Holland was still playing there. Ian Hart left back. You know. So when I look at the, the, these players now, uh, any criticism towards Kenny, is, it's got to be tough to take because name me a player who's anywhere near that level at this moment in time. Like, I, I, it looks like, you, you know, you're kind of playing Hendrick as this sort of attacking midfield. I always think with your midfielders in any team, like, you know, giving it from a, maybe a QPR point of view is, sometimes there are players that will get in your team, but if they're playing in an advanced role, that kind of says something about your, the whole squad. And if they're playing in a more defensive role, then that that says something as well. And so someone like, if Hendrick's, you know, in your team and he's not the main man, then then that means you've got an all right team. But if he is the main man, then you're probably a little short, right? Yeah, I think he's on borrowed time at this point. A lot of mm-hmm. Irish fans are getting frustrated with him. They don't really see what he brings to the team. And there's someone there at Derby, Jason Knight, coming through at the moment, who Rooney is, you know, he's spoken very highly about a lot mm. of times he comes out in the media and speaks about him a lot so we're, we have high hopes for, for Jason Knight but he's not in the squad this time around he's going to try and help the 21s qualify for the tournament for first time in, in our history so wow. it's it's just a, it's, it is a team in, in basic transition but you're talking about midfield there and um, we're obviously going to come on and talk about it now but you know we did have Declan Royce obviously in our ranks he played three full friendlies for us and then decided to switch his allegiances uh, Jack Grealish played under 21s for us and then went to England which I don't really have as much I don't have as much I suppose ill feelings towards Grealish as I would Rice and then you know Gary's going to come on to it but Michael Keane played underage for Ireland and then playing for England as well see the way Irish fans look at it is they used Ireland as a way to kind of put themselves out there on a pedestal to be looked at by England and then as soon as England came along they decided, but again, the only one I have a real problem with is Rice. But what, what kind of what are your views on it? And do you see that making it a bit of a feisty affair? You know, especially from uh, a tackling point of view. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think if if Rice um, starts, I think from from England's point of view, it'll be interesting to see see who plays in that midfield from from our squad. Um, just looking at it now, you've got it might be one where. I could see him not even playing him, which would be very frustrating for Irish fans because I think Irish fans would quite happily like to see him get crunched, which is uh, which I completely understand. I, I I think you've got to you've got to kind of retain the sort of dignity of international football time. So when you when you play seen when you get senior caps, I, I totally understand why Irish fans would be annoyed at that because you've made a decision there. I think by that point you have to make a decision. Obviously, like the world has, you know, so many people have got dual nationality. Um, so, so the, the, you know, the difficulty is always there in terms of who you should choose. But I think once once you play a senior cap, you know, if you're old enough to play senior football, you're probably old enough to make a decision. 
And so I can understand why Irish fans are really annoyed by him. Um, and, and should, like, someone should leave one on him. Like, that's, that's part of the fun, isn't it? That, I think that's, that would make it a lot spicier, which would be, which would be interesting to see. And I think, you know, he's a competitive midfielder as well. So he's going to go and try and win tackles. And he, I think he'll have it in the back of his mind if he, if he starts. Um, I wonder though, because I wonder if, you might play, you might give Bellingham a chance in a game like this. I think it would be, uh, it would be a good fit for, for him to play. Uh, like Harry Winks is in the squad as well, who I don't think would start in the Belgium game. Um, same goes maybe for Henderson. They might not want to start him in this game as well. I, I, I'd be, I'm intrigued. I think the big one that we'll all be intrigued about is if Jack Grealish plays because what, there's this the, the clamour for Grealish to start for England is is understandable, but it's also a bit uh, again unfair on the long term work that Southgate's um, put in because he's he's you know he seems to be sticking with this three four three and he's trying to kind of find a way for, to make it work and and Grealish sort of naturally in his position doesn't totally fit that way of playing that that system um, and then even in that Belgium game that we recently played we won that game. And and yet and yet people are just going oh he doesn't like Grealish he doesn't like Grealish, um, which I don't think is true because he's, he's in the squad. So because of that, it'd be interesting to see how strong-willed Southgate is. Because naturally, if you win a game against a team, you generally play a similar team. So I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised if England fans get really angry about it. Again, I think it's a little bit short-sighted, but I wouldn't be surprised if actually Rice doesn't play and Grealish does play. That's what I could see happening in this in, in this game, to be honest, because I could see Winks starting, to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I think Grealish is starting the season unbelievable at, at Aston Villa, so I think it'd be madness not to play him. Uh, I think with Declan Royce, you're kind of keeping him out of the limelight in many ways if he doesn't play. But Gary, are you kind of what are your views kind of coming into this game with with the three players mentioned? You know, um, would you like to see them play against us, or would you care if they played or not? Yeah, I'm kind of more focused on our team, to be honest. So I don't really care. Maybe it's better if Declan Rice doesn't play, uh, particularly kind of given the history. Uh, yeah, Jack Grealish switched it on the 21 level. It's still a sore point. I mean, both sides of his family, I know he grew up in Birmingham, but both sides of his family, very strong Irish influence. Um, Michael Keane switched back in 2010, I think, at under 17 level. So and he played, I think, under 17, or certainly a lot of underage levels for England. So it's not so bad. Mm. We, we'll also be looking at the likes of James Madison, Harry Maguire, Harry Kane, as probably ones who got away. Now, look, they were always committed to England. I accept that. But uh, all, all were eligible for us. And mm. uh, with... And James talks about dual nationality. It, yeah, it, it's quite common. I actually go back to the 2013 friendly because I remember they were selling half and half scarves outside Wembley and I thought, what stupid <laughs> idiot did half and half scarves? And I, but then I go into the away end and I couldn't believe it because so many people were wearing them, including including my, my cousin, who's uh, she she left Ireland, married to an Englishman and has uh, four kids over there. So I actually got them tickets. They were in the away end. And uh, but I mean, it's probably typical that they're that her children are dual nationals. I mean, uh, and and they probably support England and Ireland, and 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 yeah. at various times. So um, I don't know. It's uh, the problem it, is it it waters down the tribalism a little bit, doesn't it? You know, like I yeah, I can say I'm half Scottish, and so I remember Euro '96, and and uh, you know, obviously 
always caring about Scotland when they played games, but generally my focus was England because of my dad. Um, but then when I went to that game, um, I actually went with my mum, who's Scottish, because my, my dad had done his Achilles. And I felt weird. I felt really weird going to the game and kind of thinking, oh, I, I wouldn't mind a draw here, which is, which is bizarre. So it is, it is weird. It is really, really weird. Um, but I mean, I, I come back to, it. I think there's, I think criticism towards Declan Rice from what I know of the story feels, feels fair because there is, uh, for me, there is that cutoff point of playing senior caps. And if once you've done that, then, then it, it does feel a bit like you've cheated on your wife. So, ha- having said that, times, yeah. had we won, had we won the penalty shootout in Slovakia, we'd actually be playing Northern Ireland in Windsor Park tomorrow night with a place in the Euros at stake. Wow. And Shane Duffy, Shane Duffy, and James McLean, who both came through the Northern Ireland underage setup, would have been playing. And it, it's the same thing as Jack Grealish and Deng. Okay, they didn't play at senior level, but uh, were, were certainly very close to played right up to under twenty one. So. Mm. And Shane Duffy actually sat on the bench for a competitive game for Northern Ireland. So if he'd come off the bench, or he, he would have been uh, tied to them. Yeah, um, life so, makes hypocrites of us all, doesn't it? I think well, yeah. yeah. Well, just kind of just just lastly, because uh, I think this has been a, a great chat, to be honest. Um, but just your score prediction, James. Uh, how do you actually see the game going? I think. Um, I'm really intrigued to see Ireland because I think that, you know, even things like that feels like a bit of a clue when you're talking about the under 21s, the fact that they're, you know, so they're, they're on the cusp of maybe getting into the tournament. Is that right? Two wins. Yeah. Right. So I think that highlights that, you know, I think some, and I think Southgate did that for England, which again, I think gets forgotten about a little bit because we have got this new exciting generation of really good players. Well, but, James, that's it because Stephen Kenny was actually the manager of the under 21s before he got, yeah. before he got bumped up. So yeah. Yeah. So, so, but my, my point is, is that Ireland, I guess it feels like when the sort of, there's that dearth of talent may be in the senior team at the moment. So there's those one or two guys that can elevate you like Gareth Bale does for Wales. Then you might as well look look back a little bit and invest in that under twenty ones and not take players out of there because they can kind of have some success together and that can carry on through like England with the under seventeens and uh, under twenties and stuff like that. So I'm intrigued to see the different style of play. When I think of Ireland, I think of one you know one way of of playing really, which is that kind of which is I mean I enjoy that kind of football. I, I loved watching. Uh, Ireland back in the back in the day when you know when you had Niall Quinn up there and and it's proper old school four four two like there's nothing wrong with that um, but the game is evolving and therefore you probably want your team to as well so I'm intrigued to see how much of a fight they can kind of put up uh, but I'm also excited to see uh, this England team and it may be a new look England midfield uh, as well uh, so I, I expect England to win if I'm honest I think we'd break you I, I would hope that we would be able to to break you down. Um, and we'd probably got quite a lot of um, strength off the bench, which I think is another thing maybe to remember in a friendly that there will the game gets disjointed in the second half and often a little bit more quality kind of um, gets you over the line. So I, I look, we beat we beat Wales three 0 You're not going to like it, but I would I wouldn't mind a similar result <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, so so I think I would go down that road because yeah, like like I said, I don't think we've ever had depth like this in the England squad really. Um, so, so hopefully, um, we can have a nice, nice juicy win, and uh, everyone can get off Gareth's back. That would be nice for me. I would like like that. Okay. Sorry, you hate um, me, don't you? No, I, I don't like that. But uh, <laughs> title to your opinion, Gary. What is your prediction? Score prediction? 
Yeah, um, I, I really think this game's come at the wrong at the wrong time, and we're talking about um, seeding, World Cup qualification, and everything, and it's an early stage in the development. So um, I, I'm not too confident, to be honest. Uh, and uh, I suppose my heart says we can pull off another 1-1 win, but um, I'm inclined to say England are going to shade it, maybe 2-0. So just in case anyone actually is watching this and thinks that Gary's making mistakes saying 1-1 win, <laughs> he actually means a, a draw because we tend to celebrate one-all draws as a win. So just in case that went over your head um, and you start giving them pelts in the comments, I actually am going to go for 1-1. I suppose I'll call it a win, but I, th- I, I, and that's just me being very optimistic. Um, I would like to see us score. I would like to see us take the lead in the game and see how we can handle that because I've mentioned that on a few shows previous in our last couple of games that um, I haven't seen us taking the lead, and I'd like to see what we'd be like taking the lead rather than chasing the lead. Um, so yeah, I, I, I go with a one-one. Just so people understand, this game is absolutely crucial for the World Cup draw next month. As, as Paul mentioned in the world rankings, but the crucial thing from the world rankings point of view is in the UEFA nations, we are actually 20th. And the World Cup draw, we are currently just on the cusp of being second seeds for the World Cup draw. Top 10 nations, uh, 10 groups, uh, 10 winners to qualify. If we can stay in 20th place or finish higher, we'll be second seeds. Just behind us are Slovakia and Northern Ireland. And part of the problem is that. Uh, If we were to lose tomorrow night, we'd lose uh, 3.2 ranking points. A win, we'd actually gain 6.8, and a draw would be 1.8 of a gain. Problem is, Slovakia play Northern Ireland at the same time in Belfast. If Northern Ireland win that game in 120 minutes, they get 12.7 ranking points. And if Slovakia win the game in 120 minutes, they get 12.3 ranking points. So either of them will jump ahead of us, even if we win at Wembley at the same time. Best we can hope for is actually Northern Ireland to win on penalties because that would give them 6.4 ranking points because uh, they're actually behind Slovakia as well. And I know it gets very complicated, but basically, uh, if we can get any sort of a result, get a draw at Wembley and Northern Ireland win on penalties, we will keep our second seeding going into the Wales and Bulgaria games. If Slovakia win and we lose, we'll already be so far behind them that possibly even a win in Cardiff and a win against Bulgaria may not be enough. It depends on how other countries do as well. So seedings are absolutely crucial, but at the moment, it's not looking good to keep our second seeds just with the way the fixtures are falling. Yeah, well, wait to, wait to finish that on the down. You can clip it in some other time. You know? Hopefully the players totally understand that. Because I think that might yeah. give them a little bit of extra zip, and you never like you never know these these games that can, especially in a friendly game, because the England players will be looking to impress because there's competition, but won't have that same desire if it, you know if it's if it means the long term opportunity of getting to a major tournament. So I think that's it's a great it's a great point to make. Yeah, yeah it's, if anything, there was there's initiative there to try to try more to get a win. Not that I mean England. At Wembley, I mean, if you can't get yourself up for that, I, I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe you should question your nationality. But, uh, yeah, listen, um, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on, James. Where can people follow you if they're looking to follow you? Uh, 
just uh, just search my name, I guess, in YouTube's the main place where you can find me. Uh, James Allcott, A W L C O W T. Also stream on Twitch quite often. Um, football Manager in particular. Um, we're sort of yeah starting a new save. The new games just come out, so um, if you do like Twitch, come 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 have a look. Okay, and then just Gary, thanks very much. You enjoy getting yourself joy safe and yeah. uh, enjoy the game over there in Wembley. Uh, guys, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe as well. We're close to 9,000 subscribers. So if you can please help us get there, that would be fantastic. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Come on, you boys in green.